All right, moving into our next section here is what did the prophets see of the promise to David? The Davidic covenant will look at just the major prophets in one passage in Hosea. So starting with Isaiah, uh, Isaiah saw this Messiah, this seed of David as the king of Israel. We read in Isaiah 9, 6, which is a common Christmas um, psalm or a Christmas passage, though it's not actually that uh, Christmassy when you read more than just the first phrase. Uh, but anyways, in verse 6, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And that is where finished prophecy ends, and the rest is still future prophecy. This is um, often called the law of double reference, uh, where a passage will be given of both advents of Christ, the first and the second, without any indication that there's time in between it. When you take the whole canon of scripture together, you see there must be time in between this. Even in the Old Testament, there is enough scripture where you can see there must be some event that happens between these um, two promises. For example, if you take, uh, what is it, Psalm 53, or uh, no, it's Isaiah 53. Uh, you would have to put that in between uh, the first and second lines here of verse six, because the following says the government will rest on his shoulders. That has never happened. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now that happens within the church imperfectly, but it will happen perfectly throughout the entire world uh, when he reigns as king in Jerusalem. And this prophecy continues. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. That has not come to pass yet. There has been end to peace, and his government has not even been established. Um, but finally, it says that on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So we have the absolute guaranteed promise that this will come to pass. Um, but we can be absolutely certain that uh, nothing but the very first line of this prophecy has come to pass. But the fact that the first line of this prophecy has come to pass is further guarantee that the rest of it will come to pass. Isaiah 11 says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for, for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Now, uh, Isaiah 11 looks forward to the last moments of the tribulation to the last few hours of the tribulation period. This root that springs forth from Jesse is the son that was given to Israel, Jesus Christ. But this uh, verse 10, that uh, in that day, looks forward to the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus Christ to take the kingdom. So the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. This is talking about the end of the tribulation period.
and it continues, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people, who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a, a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This did not happen during the exile of Egypt. Some claim that this happened uh, after the major prophets during the time of the minor prophets or Ezra. Uh, but God did not bring back all the peoples of Israel from the four corners of the earth. He brought back a small chunk of people from Babylon. And that was a restoration to the land, but it is not the restoration to the land promised in Isaiah 11. This again looks forward to the end of the tribulation period before the messianic kingdom and is a fulfillment of the promise that just as one day or just as uh, they look back and recall their being brought out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. So one day they would say, uh, say that about the Lord who took them out of the uh, nations of the north and brought them back into the land. Babylon is southeast of, uh, of Israel, not north. So they will be brought out of northern and um, all the way to the four corners of the earth. Until that happens, this verse has not been fulfilled. All right, what does Jeremiah say about this seed promise, this Davidic line? Jeremiah 23 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as a king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And that is, uh, again, looking forward to the messianic kingdom. This has not taken place yet. In verse 8 of Jeremiah 30, says, It shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck and will tear off their bonds, and strangers will no longer make them their slaves. Uh, this is speaking of Israel, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Now, this may be speaking of David in reference to David's son, ultimate son, Jesus Christ, um, or it may be, as many have taken this passage, to be literal resurrected David. Uh, it becomes evident as you put all these passages together that David himself will be ruling over Israel with Jesus Christ, his son, um, so that they will be co-rulers in a similar fashion as we are co-rulers with Christ uh, uh, over the nations. David will be co-ruler with Jesus Christ over Jerusalem, over Israel, um, so that Jesus Christ, ruler over the whole world, has his vice-regent David over Israel. Uh, continuing here in Jeremiah 33, in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Thus 
for thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Now, this is the second time where we're told this name, uh, the uh, name by which she will be called, that is Jerusalem, is the Lord is our righteousness. Um, do you remember the promises given to the church in Revelations 2 and 3, that there would be the name of the city of God written on them? Um, this is the name that will be written on them. Just the same, there is the name, the new name of Jesus Christ that will be written on them. Um, and that, I believe, is the Lord, our righteousness. Um, so this will be written on us um, in the millennial kingdom. Again, um, when we look at Revelation and we see that promise and we know that that has not happened, uh, we know we are not in that kingdom. Continuing on, Jeremiah 33, thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night, so that the day and the night will no longer be at their appointed times, what he's saying is if you can change the time that daylight happens and the time that nighttime happens, uh, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he will not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levitical priests, my ministers, and that has to do with the other context happening in Jeremiah 33, talking about the uh, continuation of the Levitical priesthood. Um, however, he's saying, if you can change the laws of nature, not just break them, but change them, um, then you can change this covenant with David. But other than that, it is a covenant to Israel through David. Uh, thus says the Lord, if my covenant for uh, for day and night stand not, and the fixed patterns of heaven and earth I have not established, then I would reject the descendants of Jacob and David my servant, not taking from his descendants rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I will restore their fortunes and will have mercy on them. So here we have added to that, uh, not just the continuation of David's line, but of all the line of Israel through Jacob, and we have added not just the rules of nature, um, but the very course of the heavens, the uh, sun, moon, and stars, uh, that if we could change their fixed patterns uh, in the sky, then we could change this covenant. So in other words, he's uh, using phenomena phenomenological language to say it's impossible for man to change these covenants. No failure under David or under anyone else can change God's promise that he has made to David. Finally, we're going to look at Ezekiel and then one passage from Hosea um, that shows Messiah as the restorer of Israel. Not only is he going to rule and not only is he going to save, but he will restore Israel, which, uh, which implies that Israel will be um, destroyed. And it was in AD 70, and it's built back in part, but it's not in the kingdom um, that it will be. Anyways, he says here in Ezekiel 37, uh, you'll recognize this as being very close to the dry bones passage in Ezekiel. He says, uh, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, so they will no longer be two nations, so the northern kingdom and the southern I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be king for all of them, 
and they will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or with their detestable things. So we see that faithfulness will characterize Israel once they are in the land under this kingdom or with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them and they will be my people and I will be their God. Now, there is a missing puzzle piece here that we haven't covered yet, and that's our next puzzle piece that we're going to cover, and that is the new covenant. What makes this possible is God's establishment of the new covenant with Israel. Uh, the only ability they have of obedience is God giving them the obedience, um, and that is uh, in the new covenant when he gives them a new heart. And that happens again at the end of the tribulation period. Um, so just like we see the land covenant tied in pretty intimately here with David, where there's a promised throne and a promised house, a promised kingdom, a promised um, descendant. But where is that going to be? We need the promise of the land to be continual forever as well. Um, so we looked at that already when we saw uh, Deuteronomy 30. And I'm not going to go through this now, but go back and look at Deuteronomy 30. Um, the new covenant is also prefigured there as well. So all of this, uh, the promise of a Davidic king and the promise of um, an eternal land plot, um, all has to do with the fulfillment of the new covenant as well that will be uh, promised in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, um, and was ratified on the cross. Um, of Jesus Christ with the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, continuing here in Ezekiel 37, my servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. So again, we have David referred to directly, uh, which probably indicates here that he will be the direct king in his resurrected body. Um, over Israel, and Jesus Christ will rule over um, him and over the other nations. They will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived, and they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. So again, we have the interlocking three covenants, the Davidic, the land covenant, and the new covenant so this one I want to look at in Hosea 3. Um, Davidic promises are scattered throughout the minor prophets. Uh, it's not a major theme for them. Um, however, in Hosea, this was a major theme. So that's why I chose Hosea and none of the other minor prophets. Um, also, I don't want to keep you here to all hours of the night. So uh, just one minor prophet. For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. In the last days. This is probably I would say a key passage from the, uh, from the prophets about the timing of the messianic kingdom. This happens in the last days 
when Israel turns to God and David, their king. Uh, this is speaking again about the end of the tribulation period when they seek the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, to be king over them. <clears throat> 